Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. Summer League has officially wrapped up. The Cavs lost to the Lakers. Not their first loss to the Lakers this summer, but uh, hope for the future with Colin Sexton dropping 27 points. Uh, the Lakers went full tryhards with their 23-year-old Josh Hart while the Cavs rested Jetty and let Zizic enjoy the World Cup. Um, Carter Rodriguez is back Back from his work trip and ready to talk some calves. How's it going, buddy? It's good. Um, Poland was lovely. Had a lot of potato pancakes and pierogies and the like. Man, potato pancakes are underrated. Dude, I didn't realize. I'd never had them before. Um, Or at least I was... So I think I had a fundamental misunderstanding about what potato pancakes were supposed to be. I thought they were also a breakfast food, like regular pancakes. (laughs) Yeah, and yeah. The, you you thought it was a pancake substitute rather than like a different. Yeah, it's form a completely different kind of food, and it was amazing. Um, yeah, Katowice was really really cool, um, and I would recommend anyone would go there because uh, you also can live like a king because one dollar is worth three point six eight zloty, and uh, prices weren't so inflated that that wasn't an enormous difference. Do you feel that when you come to the states, like the dollar, the U.S. dollar being more valuable, or does it pretty much wash? break even no i i I definitely feel it um i just typically get enough u.s cash before i go over but at the same time like i i if i get enough cash in my wallet before i go over i don't think about the difference but you definitely feel it especially when you're you're getting said cash that's the way i felt with euros like like playing paying with euros uh when we were in italy it was just like it was like it was like everything felt so cheap and then i realized like how much more we had spent by the end you know but yeah, but yeah it's, it's, <laughs> it's an interesting thing anyway basketball sorry i just thought that i think currency stuff is interesting like cost of living and like the way it, it plays out um the Cavs were actually pretty fun uh this summer league despite the fact that two of their th- three if you're feeling charitable four interesting players uh didn't play almost every single game yeah yeah it, it made it a little bit tougher to watch um i was very much here for the billy preston season um he just got better like with every single game like you could tell there was rust at the beginning and preston just looked progressively more and more like a player that um can be productive in canton next season um that, that, sound, that sex- sound you just heard was everyone who listened every vestige of the LeBron era listenership we had that doesn't care about the Cavs turning off the episode. (laughs) (laughs) You don't think uh, people want to hang around for Billy Preston and Canton? Billy Preston moves the needle for such a small percentage of the population. It just happens to be our listenership. Well, as long as he's moving the needle for our listeners and not recklessly on his own car, I think we're going to be okay. (laughs) Misty buddy, um, but uh, but yeah, he was yeah. Uh, so I'm 
kind of glad you said that because I, I missed, you know, I was only able to watch the, the last couple games in passing. And I was honestly a little disappointed by Preston where he was uh, from what I saw early on in Summer League. Where it was like, oh, dude, this dude can't dribble at all um, and is like really lungy defensively. Um, he's not quite as athletic as I thought he was going to be. Did you think you were getting we were getting more of a freak than we did? Um, not necessarily. Uh, I, I definitely understood that it, it might not completely translate. Like I, I thought he looked really fast out there. Um, but there was actually more control to his game than I anticipated initially. Like I expected just 110 miles an hour the entire time. Cause if you look at the highlights, that's what it is. But I, I felt that there was more control to the game and, and a more measured approach than I would have expected. So that that might have contributed to just kind of how you perceived him, how he played. Yeah, I don't know. I just I, where I felt I saw him like not as athletic as I wanted is like I felt like he had to like load up to jump a little more than than I wanted. I wanted him to be just a guy who just like levitates up um, like effortlessly. Um, but, you know, I thought he. He definitely, from what I saw, got better and better over the course of Summer League. And uh, regardless of how he played in Summer League, I don't think that was going to affect the way I felt about giving him the two-way deal. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think it's exactly the right kind of shot teams should take on, on prospects, especially... Excuse me. had a burp lingering. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's gross. Yeah, You're well, gross. You know, that's, uh, this is the unfiltered talk you get out of a man who's spent the last week in the Eastern Bloc. Um, but you know, I think <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. I thought, yeah, I, thought, I, thought he was I think fine, some of it uh, from what I saw yeah. Um, but I, I I don't I think he should spend most of the year in Canton. I don't think there's I I would put the chances on him getting a a, a big league call up like a full time contract uh, slim to none. Yeah, I I agree. Unless things go completely to shit, like if Kevin Love gets traded and all the other veterans get traded, and it's just you need bodies. We're, we're going to experiment. Yeah, we're we're going to experiment. And Preston's been playing well. Um, then then I can see it changing. I think as he gets his gets more confidence, he'll you'll probably see him look more explosive. Like he moves up and down the court quickly, but when you have uh, guys that size. It's kind of like a train. It doesn't look like a train's moving fast, but then when you actually have it go by you, it's like, okay, well, that thing's actually moving with some pace. Um, I, I just think that some of it's rust. Some of it's he's probably not in the best shape uh, that uh, of his life at this point. Um, but I agree that that's the type of guy that you take a shot on because he was someone that was projected to have potential lottery-type talent. And, and uh, that obviously didn't pan out and he kind of reduced the number of workouts he he took he didn't participate in the combine obviously had some off the court issues but uh that's that's the type of gamble you take and um it's uh it it was encouraging to at least have one other guy other than sexton that you could kind of uh keep an eye on in summer league because john holland as much as he played well in some games um, I, I think we're most of us are ready to move on from the the Holland experience. Yeah, your boy isn't an NBA player, <laughs> and that's uh, that's no insult. Most most people aren't, uh, but John Holland certainly isn't one. Um, I think before we get to Sexton, who's obviously kind of the crown jewel, we should talk about the Cavs' second year players 
um, who every in every way looked the part. And I think you have to be really thrilled with what we saw out of Zizic and Jetty Osman. Uh, Zizic averaged 20.5 points, 12.5 rebounds, and 3.5 assists on 63% shooting in his two games. Uh, Jetty was a little mm-hmm. less efficient. He uh, averaged uh, 20 points even. Uh, eight rebounds and 4.5 assists. God, that guy can pass, man. Uh, alongside 2.5 steals on just 42% shooting. Um, but he was also chucking from three at, at, at points. Um, uh, clearly trying to expand that part of his game. Um, I don't really think you could ask Jetty, more Jetty out was, of those guys. Yeah, J- Jetty, it was really clear um that one he had tired legs after playing internationally just shortly before summer league took place um i don't think he had a a lot of time to recover there but it was so clear that he was too good to be playing in summer league and um I, i did like that they they let him do a few other things like they let him bring up the ball they let him kind of play outside of his comfort zone and and I think that's positive it it was more what you saw from him internationally I don't think his handle's necessarily tight enough to do that at the NBA at a consistent level but those are the type of things he's going to need to do now because um, you don't have this defined role uh, alongside LeBron James like you used to so he's going to need to step up he's going to need to provide some supplemental playmaking and um, hopefully he's going to be able to do that along with love to to kind of alleviate the the burden on Sexton next year. Yeah, the thing with uh, Jetty that is really interesting about his long term ceiling is that yeah he still can't dribble and like that's fine. Uh, by the way, like I love that we like act like guys add stuff to their game by summer league. It's like, dude, the season ended three weeks ago. Like, like they add stuff well, after. Actually, I, they add stuff in between for the most I, part. I one thing I did find interesting, though, um, I was listening to a podcast with David Thorpe, and he was talking about the work that he does with NBA players in the summer, and he he said that in the first month or two, that's like the first month, month and a half, that's where you add something. And then after that, it's just working on that one thing. Like, you don't continue to add stuff later on in the season or in the off season, I should say, um, because you want to work to get whatever you added up to an NBA skill. And then the next summer you work on something else like it's not a, a constant thing of working on rounding out your game and trying to add things throughout the whole summer. It's all right. I've worked on this. Let's continue going at it. Um, so and, I, I think and, that and there to be is, clear, I'm talking about guys like Jetty Osmond who had deep playoff runs who needed to recoup a little bit. Well, like guys like Josh Hart, they've had months, you know. Well, Carter, you're you're saying he might you're saying he didn't have a lot of growth since mid June where the season ended. But the last time we saw him play was like in April. So he might he might have been working on some stuff uh between yeah. games. Yeah, and- I'm not saying he hasn't grown. I'm just saying like I just get a kick out of that when people are like, Oh, he added this, 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 and this. It's like, yeah, has he really yet? Probably needs a little time to let that set in. But what I was gonna say, uh, before I went on that tangent is that like what's interesting is Osmond still can't dribble, right? But we know he can pass. Yeah. And I'm really excited to see what those passing instincts look like right now. I mean, the the second game of Summer League was by far his best. Um and what made it look so good was he just had some absolute dimes out of the pick and roll. 
and uh, when once his handle gets better, uh, where guys can't pressure him and get up in his space, and he can't cope with that, uh, I really think he's gonna ha- he has a lot of potential as a secondary creator, kind of maybe in like a Nick Batum kind of role, uh, where he's like a guy who can pass, move the ball, run a little primary pick and roll. That's not what he does. Carter, but, you, know, you have to compare him to a white player. Do this right. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, uh, or or uh, does he, Batum... Hito Turkoglu. Uh, no, just kidding. Um, oh, jeez. Yeah, so we got to get him on the HGH. Yeah, we got to get him on some roids. Uh, but yeah, I just thought he was really, really good. I thought uh, he was trying to expand his game by taking some pretty difficult threes off some pin downs um, that weren't going in at a super high rate, but that's fine. Um, really, really pleased with his... Uh, I You know... When we see those articles after Summer League, you know, there's always the was too good to be here uh, category. Yeah. And you're not going to see Jetty on almost any of those lists because he only played two games. But I think if he had been around longer, um, we would be seeing that. Um, I I really did get a kick out of uh, Zizic in Summer League because, like, that's a guy that's been playing professionally for a while. Um, and, and you forget just how good he is offensively. Like his footwork is good. Um, we we don't know how he's going to be on the defensive end, and um, I, I would like to see him get more burn. But when you're looking at these guys, these undrafted players or kind of fringe guys that are in and out of the G League, he just gets deep position and scores on them like every single time. And the only reason he was like missing shots was he got so tired by taking so many shots because. He just hasn't taken that many or or dealt yep. with a real workload. And like just by the end of the game, he's gas. He's like, okay, I've got my 24 points and my 15 rebounds here, and my arms are going to fall off. Yeah, um, I, I thought he was great. Um, I really like that he has a little face-up game to him, uh, where if you give him a little room, he'll face up and just pop a little you know, eight-footer. And he's got touch on that eight-footer. Um, uh, I think that he looked enormous compared to everyone he was playing alongside. Um, I thought his post... I mean, I, I'm a sucker for a guy who can score in the post. Uh, I, I have that little bit of old school in me. Um, and I, I really do think he's got nice touch around the rim and is very confident. And, and I do good think hands. Like, yeah, and I think footwork is a thing that like we pretend it can be taught, but I actually don't really think it can. I think it's, I think it's skill and feel like you can get a little better but there's no way to drill yourself into being like a um you know a a fluid post player you know you can you can add a drop step or a step through and that's fine but there are certain guys who just move well down there and can manipulate the guy who's on their uh, on their back and zizic is one of them so um it's going to be hard for him to find minutes in a crowded front court, but uh, I think he looked about as good as you could have asked. I mean, 63% from the field, that's that's so encouraging, especially after you look like such dog shit in last year's summer league for the Celtics. Right. Um, yeah, he, he really did. That's that's actually a good point, and I don't know... He didn't look like an NBA player at all. I don't know if that... I can't really recall because I wasn't really paying attention to him because I, I wasn't thinking, oh, well, that's going to be one of the pieces we get back for Kyrie. Um, but... I, I don't know if he was playing internationally prior to that, like shortly before that, because that was the case with Jetty here. 
um, and you saw how tired Jetty looked at times. Um, but that that could there, certainly there explain. weren't qualifiers last year. I know that, so it had to been league play. Mm. Um, yeah, and I, I doubt he'd be doing that once he was already under contract with the Celtics. So. Yeah, I think he just wasn't ready, you know, and like this year he definitely was. He he looked the part of a guy who battled with a, you know, a title contender, you know, a team that made the finals and battling with teams like that all year, you learn some stuff. Um, and I just definitely think he looked the part mm-hmm. and um I I think if you're a Cavs fan, you have to be really thrilled with how the sophomores looked because uh, you know, frankly, they are there's not a ton to be excited about on this Cavs team this year. I mean, ultimately, you got three or four guys. You're such a stick um, in the mud. Everything's no, no, everything's exciting. Zizic, per 36, man, that's a 20 and 10 player that shot 73. Well, that's what I'm saying is like <laughs> we need those. Like if the if Zizic and and uh, Jetty don't look good, all of a sudden the prospects for guys who you really can like look forward to seeing grow in a rebuild. Um. It, it gets then, then you gotta start really talking yourself into Billy Preston, and that's when you go yep. down a dark corridor. But yeah, so the fact that they look good is like is is super encouraging um, for Cavs fans and the young bull. He was actually pretty fun. I'm I'm glad you brought him up. I was gonna we're we're gonna get to him immediately, but I just want to say you were implying that this team isn't going to be fun when they brought Channing Fry back. So come on, man. Oh my guy Channing. Oh, I was so happy to see that. And and you know what? I don't care if it doesn't really make sense cuz they already have three centers on the roster. I just like the guy and as a fan, that's my right to say I don't give a shit if it makes sense. I don't care if Travion Graham made more sense. I like Channing Fry and I'm glad he's on the team and he's the kind of guy who knows how to work, knows how to be a veteran, can teach a bunch of kids how to play the right way. Um, adds extra spacing to help Sexton's development um, when he's out there. Uh, is one of the few guys who can actually play alongside uh, guys like Larry Nance and Tristan Thompson and let those guys slide down to the four, which they actually are going to need to do, by the way, because they only have one power forward on the roster. Yeah, true. And and, um, and here's so the yeah, other I thing. Think it's actually a smart, it's a fine move. If the starters of, let's say the starters are Sexton, Hood, um, Jetty, Love, and Larry Nance. Let's say they're just too damn good. You can also just go with. <laughs> let Let's just say they're too damn good. They're They're just unstoppable. You can go with that bench lineup of uh, Jordan Clarkson, George Hill, or Jr. with Fry at the three, Tristan and Zizic. And just let Clarkson take shots with absolutely no spacing, so that you still get a high pick. That's great. You might have that's, to go. With that's that. that's the way we want to be thinking, Justin. Yeah, I, I I just think we're good job, pal. I just think we're going to be too good, but we should probably talk about Sexton because I, I I think it's a little hard to not fall in love with him after summer league. Like there are concerns to his game. The jumper's going to take some time. Uh, the decision making wasn't always great, but at the same time, it was summer league where everyone was playing isolation basketball. Um, but it especially just given the situation the Cavs are in, having a player that that tries, that's exciting, that's lightning fast, and does whatever the hell that defensive stance is, um, that that gives you a little bit of warmth in your heart. 
My only regret is that Channing Fry wasn't with the team at that point to clown him for that. Because <laughs> you know he would. If, if RJ and Channing had been on the team as he did that, like on the bench, they would have been howling on the bench. Oh, Fry, Fry um, would have been mimicking him on, on the sideline. Oh, yeah. That would have been hilarious. Um, you know, the thing with Sexton, um, I think we should definitely go through the pros first. Um, fast as hell. Jesus Christ. Um has a little more vertical uh, burst than I thought he did. Like, can definitely get up there to finish. Uh, Drew Fowles at a really good rate. Um, By the way, that's really yeah. important. Like, it's important oh, yeah. that he looked fast and athletic against summer league competition. Because if that didn't translate at this stage, there's it's even less likely it's going to translate in the NBA. And, and for his height, it's really important that he looks like a freak athlete and, and plays like one because... Um, that that's going to be really really important to his game. Yeah, um, I remember uh, my, my best friend always described, and this was like in summer league that my friend came up with this for Dion Waiters, and it's like even when he did good plays, it was like I've never seen someone who looks like they're working that so hard. To, like like he was just exp- expending every ounce of possible energy to get a look off, and like I don't think. I think Sexton gets up to speed effortlessly, gets by guys effortlessly, has enough craft in this game. Um, there were a couple of times where uh, Biggs got switched on to him, and it looked like he was a little lost when he was like, I don't know, like 18 feet away from the ba- basket, and the big had sunk, you know, 14 <laughs> feet away because yeah. they weren't respecting his jumper. And instead of settling for those jumpers, he did a nice job of using his craft to get be- get by them without over-penetrating. Um and still find good angles to finish. So I thought that was definitely really encouraging. Um, with regard to the passing, uh, you know, it's interesting. He did have a lot of assists. Um, I don't think anyone's going to confuse him for Steve Nash anytime soon. Um, but you know what? He has enough. And uh, I'll say that his his vision's better than I thought it was coming into this would you agree with that i would agree with that like he made a lot of good reads um i i as i said they they were just playing so much isolation basketball that i don't think you can read into his assist per game or the assist percentage um he he i don't yeah I i don't think he has like next level vision but i think there was a willingness to give up the ball and I th- and I think that's the really important thing because you don't need necessarily need to be the greatest creator for other players, um, but if you're willing to give up the ball and you have supplemental playmaking around you, you can overcome that as a team. Like the f- way that the NBA is going is having multiple creators, and I-, I think Sexton is someone that can thrive in those situations. And to me, it's funny that you bring up Dion, and part of the reason why I think. Sexton's really going to be embraced by this fan base is he seems to be the fantasy version of Dion that people had in their heads like what Dion was on good days like I don't think he's going to have the most consistent three-point shot but he's going to have stretches where he's hitting it a lot um I think he's going to actually compete hard on defense um I I think he's not going to come into the league being a great defender right off the bat because no guards are but he reminds me so much of good Dion, and I, I just think that he has a, a better chance of panning out than Dion did because he's not showing up at Summer League fat as hell. Yeah, I think uh, one of my favorite, I think it was a Matt Moore line. Yeah, I might be wrong, but one of my favorite Matt Moore lines ever 
was that every Russell Westbrook dunk comes with an implied fuck you. (laughs) And I think that was Matt. I hope it was. Um, But I think Sexton's got a little bit of that to his game. And I think that's just something any fan base is going to fall in love with. Um, Yeah, it's kind of ironic that as LeBron leaves, we get a point guard that's kind of like the combination of Westbrook and Draymond. Oh yeah, just wa- but maybe a, like a little less foul uh, on the Draymond. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, uh, you know what I was actually just thinking about recently, um, and it kind of speaks to how spoiled Cavs fans have been in this one particular at, uh, facet. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's gonna be weird having the team's best scorer. I mean, and I guess lead ball handler because I love is gonna be the best player on the team still, obviously, but. Uh, assuming they move him, it's going to be weird to have their like core guy have really inefficient nights from the field. Yeah, because because LeBron's never inefficient, uh, at least the modern version of LeBron. Um, and then Kyrie, you know, for all of his warts as a young player, um, getting buckets efficiently and posting you know good true shooting percentages and. Um, and you know, yeah, there, there that was, was never one of them. There was the narrative that Kyrie was inefficient when he first came into the league. And there was just no evidence to support it. And like, if you look at his rookie season, I just pulled it up here. Um, 18 and a half points per game shot 47% from the field and 40% from three. Like, holy shit. Like we ain't getting that with Colin Sexton. And, and I think we're going to have to like adjust our expectations to like get used to that. Yeah. Um, to that, like, Oh yeah, most players don't do this. Yeah. Even really good ones. Um and I just thought that's an interesting idea. We just haven't had to deal with that in one of the interesting things that was years? actually brought up on the broadcast was how many one and done point guards outside of Kyrie have actually shot well from three? Lower like shot well period in their first year. Like you, it's just not something that you see. Like you might see it with with an older point guard, like Damian Lillard was older when he came into the league. But for the most part, with like one and done point guards, these young guys, uh, it, it takes them a while. And uh, I think something that's going to work to Sexton's advantage is he seems to have a knack for getting it to the free throw line. Like he, that's going to really help his efficiency. It's really he going needs to help. that. That can't not be a part of his game because of his height limitations and his shooting limitations. It's it's right up there with the athleticism, right? He needs to be faster than everyone, and he needs to know how to get to the line. And he seems to know how to put the ball in places and, and drag it through guys. And Again, that's going to be something we're going to need to get used to seeing if it does, in fact, hold up because um, we, we were very used to Kyrie not getting calls. We were used to LeBron not getting calls. And to watch a Harden-esque game where Sexton's getting a lot to the line a bunch, I, I think that's going to be a little bit of an adjustment. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, it's just going to be an interesting thing. and. Uh, to your point about the shooting percentages, I think if the Cavs don't blow it up, there are a few point guards with Sexton's limitations that have been in a better situation to be efficient than this team in, in its current construction. Uh, with uh, You have great vertical spacers uh, like Larry Nance, and then you have a bunch of shooting. I mean, J.R. Corver, uh, Love, Fry, uh, Hood, if he comes back, like, this is quite a bit of help and quite a bit of spacers for 
you know, I feel like rookies are normally on these like kind of mismatched teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, high end rookie point guards, they're on these mismatched teams that aren't really suited to them. And, you know, it's like maybe one or two good pick and roll partners. The Cavs are going to have a lot of options for Sexton here if they keep their roster together. And I think that's going to really help his development because he won't have to play in such outrageously confined space. Do you think the Cavs bringing in Fry and kind of the reports that they're they're willing to listen offers for love but they aren't shopping him do you think that they're actually going to make a conscious effort to keep kevin love i know the beat writers have kind of expressed skepticism but i don't see channing fry signing here if kevin love like if the organization is saying we're going to trade love at the deadline or if we're, we're going to trade him like i i feel like he would go chase a ring or or stay in la um because the Lakers aren't going after rings. Because <laughs> one is not the other. <laughs> um, have to differentiate between the two. Um, but I, I just feel like they're, it's the strongest signal yet that they're actually going to try to convince Love, who's a bit of a weirdo, and I don't think we're ever going to be able to figure out exactly what that guy wants or values. Maybe they, they want to keep him. Yeah, um, I think that they want to keep him, but I don't think that's the same as they're going to like i think we have to be ready for them to have a change of heart depending on how the first end of the season goes and depending on what kind of offers they get i think the kind of offers they're getting uh and that they'll get in this trade market uh will determine kevin loves or like make it more likely for love to stay than any commitment to that to him or to uh, to avoiding a tank like i don't think I think the reason they keep Kevin Love is I think they're going to get a bunch of dog shit trade offers that aren't worth it to them. Oh, um, midway through this podcast, we got some breaking news. According to league sources, the Sixers have had discussions about trading Jared Bayless to the Cleveland Cavaliers for Kyle Korver. Whoa. Um, I don't want to do that. Um, I would be assuming that the the Sixers are including assets in that. So I mean, if they give us like a first or something, uh, I guess uh, you know, uh, I I guess we should jump into this because now is just as good of a time as any. Because I was getting ready to talk uh, later in the pod about how I think the Cavs roster is really imbalanced right now. Uh, they have uh, they have three point guards that all will expect minutes, and George Hill, Colin Sexton, and Jordan Clarkson. Uh, they have three centers that will all expect minutes in Larry Nance, or maybe not expect, but should be getting minutes uh, in the case of Anze Zizic. So Nance, Zizic, and Tristan Thompson. They have one power forward on the roster in Kevin Love. They have one small forward in the roster in uh, in Jetty Osman. They have two shooting guards, uh, assuming Rodney Hood isn't back, and Kyle Korver. So... If they trade Kyle Korver for a point guard and Jared Bayless, this roster is not going to make any sense. And that maybe they'll just buy out Bayless. Who who's, who knows? But like, they need some wings and they need some forwards and they need to like cl- they need to consolidate uh, at a few key positions. And that actually makes it harder. Now, <laughs> if you're just trying, if you're just trying to, uh, if you're just trying to get better, right? Yeah. Uh, or just trying to get assets in the future. Yeah, you just, I mean, you don't not do a Corver Bayless deal if they get like a first out of it or something. Yeah, if like you that. can get the 2021 first uh, from Philly, that'd Which, be great. I mean, I, I would be stunned if you got a first that good. I think it would have to be a protected first. But regardless, if you get a first out of Kyle Corver, you, you do it. 
Um, but <laughs> all of a sudden, Tyron Lue's job is looking a lot harder. Yeah, it, it really does. And you would have to wonder, okay, is George Hill the next domino to fall? Because I think they're they're in a unique position with these non-guaranteed contracts that Corver, Hill, and JR have that teams that are looking to create space are going to trade for them. And, and like that deal obviously makes a ton of sense for Philadelphia. Um, they, they've lost some guys in this summer, and th- probably if they stand pat, they're, they're going to take a step back. Uh, I, I know that they're just going to get a year older but a lot of the the players that were there for that successful second half run that they had aren't there so someone like Kyle Korver is great for them and then they also have the option um to not pick up his uh non-guaranteed money next year if they want to be a player in free agency so I think that makes a ton of sense for them and I would imagine Um, that the Cavs would be trying to get an additional asset along with that yeah I mean there's this would be a weird one because Bayless is expiring next year. I thought he had one more year after next year. So Yeah, Bayless, Bayless So they're not helping Philly get off much money. Oh god, so you're right. They, that is weird. So I don't really know I get why Philly would do this just because they want another shooter. But I don't get why they'd give up a good enough asset for the Cavs to dump Kyle Corver. Because Bayless isn't going to help this Cavs team. Hey, look at that um, on Twitter. Because um, this is our favorite segment. Justin reads things off Twitter. Chase Ruddig, who is totally normally a piece of shit to me in my mentions, um, says the real answer, the motivation behind this trade, is so that the Cavs can continue to fuck with the Raptors in the playoffs by trading Corver there. <laughs> That's a good point. Um. Yeah. God. Now that you mention that Bayless isn't expiring, that that becomes even more baffling. Yeah, I just don't think that this is going to happen ultimately, and because there's no reason Philly should give up a first just to upgrade from Bayless to Corver, right? And there's no reason the Cavs would take on Bayless for Corver for a second. I'd, I, at least I wouldn't. Yeah. I'd rather just have Corver around the kids and keep and have him continue to be an influence mm-hmm. um yeah because clearly he's already transformed jetty's shot because yeah i it's it's an interesting i this feels like nothing to me um maybe maybe i'm crazy um, the interesting thing I, to I, me I would be surprised the interesting thing to me is that the uh reporter there uh keith uh, pompey who is a sixers reporter he had said that the three-team deal uh that sent mellow to atlanta is going to be held up for a couple of days because the sixers have been in discussions to get another deal done and then this is the second part of that now is that um, this is the deal that the Sixers have been trying to pull off. Um, so the fact that it has dragged on and is holding up a trade and they anticipate it to continue to do so makes me think that there there's some th- part of this um, that is more complicated, that we don't know, that there there's some sort of asset coming back one way or another here um, that hasn't been disclosed yet because that that transaction on its own if that's all it is or if there's just a second involved that's a simple hey do you want to swap Jared Bayless for Kyle Korver yes no maybe like that's that's not a multi-day discussion here yeah I it's weird um it's just it's just a weird uh spot uh I I mean I guess if they if they give up any first round pick um to add 
to and get the Cavs an expiring contract back, that's easy money. I think you have to do it. Um, I mean, obviously, I'd miss Kyle Korver, but I'd be happy to see him go to a really good team. Yeah. Um, they need him. They need guys like him who can shoot. And, and uh, Corver was the one guy I expected to be gone before the start of the season. Like I th- And also, Corver is kind of fun going back to Philly. Didn't he start his career there? Uh, yeah, he did. I know he played with Allen Iverson, which is outrageous. <laughs> that is so absurd. Man. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I, let's, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens idea. there. I just, I just want to see what the hell they do with this roster. You know what I mean? Like, it feels like Tristan Thompson shouldn't be on this team if they can make it happen. Do you agree with that? I do agree with that. It, it, I mean, it makes me sad, but... Um, of course. But, I mean, Larry Nance, I'm assuming there's going to be an extension with him prior to the season starting. Um, just because you look at the way the cap is going to go up in the next couple of years. And the best thing you can do is extend guys if you have any intention of keeping them. So I, I think Nance qualifies for that. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Rodney Hood here. Um, and Zizic, as we mentioned, like uh, we, we don't know what he can be like how serviceable he can be defensively but with the skill set he has offensively you're always going to have a role as a big off the bench like look look at greg monroe um that or some of the other examples around the league where you have more traditional centers coming in off the bench providing offense because typically those second units do have trouble scoring and you you can kind of eat against uh, other team second units if you're a legitimate seven footer that has size and, and has skill. So um, yeah, and oh, and more than like that, you just have to figure out what he, what you have. That that also um, helps, especially when you're like, going through a rebuild. And like I, I forget who said it. Maybe it was David Zavak, which oh, must have broken his heart. Uh, someone said that uh, Tristan Thompson will not be a part of the next good Cavaliers team. Hmm. That makes me. He just sad. probably won't. They were probably four years out, and it just doesn't seem likely that that's how it's going to play out. Like, I mean, it'd be cool if he was a lifetime Cavalier, but yeah, it, it just doesn't feel like that's going to be the case. Yeah, it just it just doesn't seem realistic. Um, so so opening up room there, and so I think if I'm the Cavs and I'm looking to get off players, the two players I'm looking to get off are Tristan and Jordan Clarkson, and boy, am I not giving Kobe Altman an easy job. <laughs> No, no, you certainly are not. Um, yeah, uh, Tristan's another guy I'd like to see go to a good situation. Like, I think there are actually teams that could use him. Um, but with the term he has left on his contract and it all being guaranteed, that's not necessarily easy. Clarkson probably isn't the easiest sell either, but I, I still think that there might be teams that are, are willing to take that on. Um it would be interesting to see if that Clarkson is someone that you can include in a deal with another player, um, maybe to send somewhere like Charlotte or, or to to any team really that needs that off the bench offense. Because I don't think he's as bad as he was towards the end of the year. Like we we have a, a fairly decent sample size of him being a competent rotation player. He has his flaws and he's probably not worth the money he gets, but he he can play. Like he, he's not a complete scrub. Yeah, I just don't think anyone's going to want him after the playoffs. Like, it's just a bad time. And and more than anything, man, it's like I don't see a world in which he aids or can play with Colin Sexton in any context. That is fair. That is absolutely fair. It just can't happen. And, And if you can't play with Colin Sexton, 
I don't fucking need you. <laughs> like, I don't want you on my floor. I don't want you on my roster because everything matters. That He's the only thing that really matters long-term right now for the Cavs, him and Jetty, and maybe Zizic, depending on what we see. What would be funny is if that was the, the part of this uh, Corver deal that we didn't know is that um, Kobe Altman's been trying to foist Jordan Clarkson oh. onto the Sixers. Oh, rain down on me, Kobe Altman. <laughs> I would be so thrilled if somehow they they got a guy worse than TJ McConnell to take TJ McConnell's rotation spot. Isn't it but kind of ironic that Cavs that. fans are now rooting for Kobe and Lakers fans are still rooting for Kobe? <laughs> Awful. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, it, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do here. Um, I... I felt like the Bucks were the place that Corver was going to end up. I did too. Um, maybe that's just not going to happen. Um, feels like he's a perfect compliment to a guy like Giannis. Um, well, while we're talking trade talk, I, I do agree that the reason you don't hear any love buzz right now is probably that they're getting shit offers. Um, it is interesting to me now with Toronto basically going all in with Kawhi Leonard. Um, Bruce Arthur and Eric Green did mention Kevin Love as one of the players that they might look at. Um, Toronto basically kept all of their best assets. And if you are willing to take on that Ibaka contract for one of Toronto's better young players, so Pascal Siakam or OG Anubi, um, that that gets interesting. Like, I, I don't know how you would feel about that. Um, because Ibaka would at least theoretically give you some spacing and and kind of some a guy to still keep around uh, Colin Sexton because I, I don't think you ever want to put him in a position like Kyrie was in his first two and a half years here where there just was no shooters at all. I think you want to maintain some spacing, but uh, I think something like that could be interesting and, and could be compelling to the Cavs um, to a point where they just say, well, we want to keep them, but th- this offer is just too good. Uh, am I crazy to think that the Raptors wouldn't are so high on OG that they wouldn't want to include him? I I I think you are not crazy for that. I think Siakam would be more likely. And to be honest, for the Cavs' purposes, I kind of like Siakam a little bit better because he's a big uh, that he he has some shooting ability from the mid range. He can defend five positions. He, he rebounds. He runs the floor. He can dribble. Um, and when you look at these upcoming drafts, they're so heavy on wings that I, I think you you understand that if you're trading love, you're not going to be good. All of a sudden, you're going to be drafting higher. If you can get a dynamic big like that, you can get the next wing you want uh, in a draft and, and pair him alongside Jetty Osman. Yeah, um, what would be interesting is, like, what kind of lineups would the Raptors run if you had Kevin Love out there all of a sudden? Um, like, because, like, they kind of all... Like, I just wonder if that's the guy they chase, you know, because, like, all of a sudden they have this unbelievably switchy, uh, defensively rooted lineup with maybe not quite enough shooting, but enough. You know, I think Love pushes them towards being an offensive juggernaut as opposed to a defensive juggernaut. But, I mean, there's no way he wouldn't help in a major way. Um, maybe you'd have to find... Maybe there's maybe there's a way you can get Anobi if you somehow 
like eat Norman Powell's contract. I think you'd have to, I I think it would have to be some sort of nightmare deal where you're taking on both a Bacchus contract and Norman Powell's contract. Yeah, but honestly, I don't know, man. And even I, then, okay even then, I, I just I don't think OG gets included unless the the only situation I can see them trading OG is if it was a deal. Um, and, and this was another thing they mentioned on the back to back podcast was uh, if they go after someone with like three years left on his contract, like Damian Lillard, where they're pairing OG with Kyle Lowry and and other things, picks other young players uh, to try to pry Dame away to make it more compelling for Kawhi to stay. Um, but I, I mean, we're, we're just getting so far down the rabbit hole that I, I, I just don't know what deals are out there. And I think that was your initial point with love. Yeah. I just don't think anyone wants him, uh, which is sad. I want him. Um, yeah, I do. Uh, I'm happy to keep him around. Uh, yeah, I just don't, I don't see the market. I think his value is low for multiple reasons. One, the Cavaliers are trying to blow it up Two, he can opt out of his deal at the end of the year. Three, he's a slow footed um kind of throwback player um in a league that's increasingly obsessed with switching on defense um there's just a lot of reasons why his market isn't as good as it as his market doesn't reflect his value as a player and uh that's why i'm still on board with extending him because i don't think there's a number that you could extend him at mm-hmm. um that would make him a negative asset maybe i'm wrong but unless and I don't think he'll cost a full supermax, you know, um, to do so. So I think if you get if you can extend him even at an overpay, I don't think he's a negative asset. Um, I don't think we're going to hit a Blake Griffin situation where he's an albatross. Um, no, despite being good. No. Uh, so and, and I just like the idea of him helping Colin Sexton develop and having a team that isn't completely bereft of. Uh, talent. I just I don't see a lot of appeal in a total tear it down rebuild, especially when lottery odds are flattened quite a bit. You are much more incentivized to finish fifth, sixth, or seventh in the lottery or in the lottery order than you have in years past. And I don't think he's so good that the Cavs won't be in that space anyway. That's that's my thing, and and I'm not going to assume that our podcast listeners read what i write uh but i had wrote a fear the sword that what i would do if i could if you could convince kevin love to sign an extension and pitch to him okay it's going to be kind of a one-year lull here we're going to keep your minutes down we'll keep it at like 28 minutes a game um we'll play you primarily with sexton and, and our young promising players so you're not going to be asked to to shoulder any just completely garbage lineups and if you get banged up at all we're going to sit you we're going young and then next year next summer after we we draft another player high in the lottery hopefully um we'll start adding players in free agency uh that fit that makes sense around this team and then you trade off hill you trade off jr you trade off corver like those those non-guaranteed contracts that would have some value and I think if you go young, you limit Love's minutes. He misses the 20 games a season he normally misses. Um, I think you're probably going to finish pretty bad. I, I think you can be like Memphis last year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and uh, yeah, ultimately, I think that's the best plan forward unless someone knocks you out of the park. Um, because you're probably really not nice getting offer. value. Because you're not getting value for Love. 
So I'd rather him add value within the locker room and with their young guys. Um, and, you know, hopefully someone falls in love or thinks he's the missing piece at the deadline. But I'm certainly not trading him until the deadline unless someone really floors me. I agree. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'd like some trades because, as you, as you said, the, the roster as it's currently constructed just doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, there's just log jams. It's weird to have log jams when you're not a great team. Like that, yeah, that shouldn't is. be the case. And they just have so many specialists and guys that I, I truly believe can actually help teams in other situations if they're not asked to do too much. Like I think George Hill can still be a valuable player. It'd be interesting to see if a team like Phoenix that um, seems to want to go all in but uh, still doesn't have a point guard outside of Brandon Knight, maybe they have interest in him. Um, I, I think JR might have, well, if he's going to have some value, it's going to be a, to a team that's trying to make the playoffs and wants to clear space for the following summer, which I, I think there's a significant number of teams that can do that. And then Kyle Korver, I, I think, just straight up has value, both as a player and as a non-guaranteed contract. So we'll see what happens. Um, when something does happen, we'll, we'll likely pot about it. I will be away for a few weeks uh, I'm off getting married next weekend and uh, taking the following week off. So, hey. so I'm going to rely on you to kind of hold down the Fort Carter and to find interesting guests and to not fuck this up. So please you don't know fuck I this can't up. Do that. Please don't fuck this up. It'll just be more. Let's call it. Let's call a spade a spade. Yeah. Well, uh, the uh, the the exodus of listeners with LeBron being gone, I can now blame on you because we've, we've still been doing strong. So the inevitable drop off is going to be blamed on you while I'm out of town. So at, at least I have that for my own ego. Uh, thank you to the listeners that have stuck around. Remember, you can support the podcast by going to our Patreon. Uh, that's Patreon.com/slash/ChaseDownPodcast. Uh, get nice little rewards there we have a great discord chat where you guys can uh, message with carter and myself all day um because we we really don't have a lot of better things to do um you can also support the show the old school way go to itunes go to whatever app you listen to the podcast leave a rating leave a review tell your friends your family um people you hate that you want to make them listen to a podcast that they're not going to like tell anyone uh about the show it's uh, it's we appreciate all the support we get and it helps us uh helps us grow so thanks to carter good to have you back now i'm leaving you thanks to our listeners for sticking around until next time go calves